say the Ethiopian community or the African community, they want to buy a franchise and they go in there and they ask how much they need. They say, you don't have enough money in your bank account. You know what they do? That night, they go talk to their family. Everybody transfers all their money into one bank account. And the next day they come back to 7-Eleven with a whole new bank account. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the August B and Scott Show. Yeah. This podcast holds the belief that business and investing are team sports. We drop gems to help you turn your capital into generational legacy. We're sharing with you the best stories of successful African-American business owners and entrepreneurs. This episode is brought to you by 24-7 Watches. Shop our limited edition luxury watches at 247watches.com. That's T-W-E-N-T-Y. 47watches.com. Use code Todd Capital at checkout for a special discount. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at 247watches. That's at T W E N T Y 47watches. Todd Consultant presents the vending machine business webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. And now, here are your hosts, Miss Flipping in Heels, Rashana Scott, and Mr. Todd Millionaire himself, Charles Oglesby. So this is the Oglesby and Scott Show. My name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire, founder and director of the Todd Capital Investment Club. Please make sure you leave us a rating, a review. Thank you all for tuning in. The purpose of this podcast is to share the stories of successful African-American business owners and investors so that people can hear the stories of successful examples because they do exist. We want people to learn that business and investing are the two keys to financial success and generational wealth. With us today, we have Miss Ray Lawson. She is a franchisee, Allison Ray Lawson, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's a franchisee with 7-Eleven. You probably saw her on Instagram and I was just excited that she agreed to do this because, I mean, she's in such high demand these days Aww. that uh, usually people, they're like, I'm not even responding to my DMs. <laughs> so if you could, could you give people a short kind of explanation of who you are? Yeah, of course. Hello, everyone. My name is Allison Ray Lawson, and I am the CEO of Ray Lawson Enterprise and Ray Lawson Enterprise 2.0, which is a franchisee of two 7-Eleven convenience stores. Located in Arlington, Texas, on Matlock and Twenty, and I'm just a Dallas girl through and through, um, and one of the hardest working girls alive. So the question that we always ask everybody is, "What was life like growing up for you?" Uh, normal. <laughs> life growing up for me was pretty normal. Um, I attended um, I attended high school, elementary school, all in Dallas, Texas. Um, my parents were two hardworking individuals um, who believed in making sure that I was grounded. Um, I always like to tell people I'm I. I was spoiled because I was an only child, but I was um, not a spoiled brat. <laughs> I worked for everything in which I have earned today. Um, and so you went to a HBCU, correct? Of course. Can you talk to us about what that was like for you and how that kind of shaped your trajectory following college? Oh, yeah. So, of course, um, 
So I um, was in, you know, through all throughout Dallas, Texas. Um, I, my first job was at the African American Museum in, in uh, South Dallas. Um, my second job was in um, the Cedar Crest Golf Course in Oak Cliff. So like I've always just been really in tune with my community. Um, and, you know, being around Black people was what I like. <laughs> um, and I love HBCUs because it puts you in an environment that people, of people that look like you, um, to make you more comfortable in order to learn, in order to build your confidence up to be the best that you can be when you get into any room. Um, and that's not to say that other schools don't do that. I'm just personally speaking from what I know as somebody who went to an HBCU. Um, but when I got out, like I, HBCUs literally brainwash you into believing that you are the cream of the crop. Um, so there's not one room that I do not step into that I do not believe that I am running. Um, so uh, HBCUs really did prepare me in order to just know all different people from all different backgrounds and be able to have the confidence that I need. And I, I saw that you have three business degrees. <laughs> so how, how has that kind of impacted your career? Everybody brings those up. Um, I think that on paper, it looks really, really good. Um, and so I wouldn't trade them in for the world um, because when people see it, um, like whenever I was in corporate America and I was rising in corporate America, it looked really, really good on paper. Um, does it have anything to do with what I'm doing today? I will say that it probably got me in the door, um, but am I using it? Yeah. Uh, everything is learned on a daily basis in the world of like business owning and franchising. But I will say that it helped me to know that I can finish a task and I can stay steady to a task at a time. When did you know that you wanted to go into business for yourself? Uh, probably uh, maybe four months before I decided to... <laughs> own a 7-Eleven. Uh, my parents are two great entrepreneurs. My mother is a realtor in Dallas, um, one of the top in her office. Um, and my father franchised three McDonald's in the Oak Cliff, Dallas area. Um, so I have entrepreneurs as parents. Um, and, but I never thought that I wanted to do that. I knew that I wanted to work my way up in corporate America. Um, I knew that I wanted to be great doing that. Um, I started off at City Hall in Dallas, Texas as a senior budget analyst, which is guarding office of where everybody wants to be at City Hall. Um, and I just worked my way up from there. Um, and I ended at Toyota in Houston um, as a project manager and something in my soul just didn't fit right when I switched from government to private. Um, it was the good old boys club. Not to say that I didn't like a lot of people in the office. I didn't feel respected by some, um, which hurt because I was there for a reason. I knew that I was there for a reason. I had earned the right to be there. Um, and so I just decided there has to be something else for me. And just in looking up other jobs, I thought to myself, like, why don't I just look into franchise? It literally just hit me out of nowhere. I was like, why don't I just look into it? Um, and I reached out to a couple of them and 7-Eleven was the first one to reach out. Really? And so what happened from there? When, when they reached back, what was that conversation look like? Uh, I reached out with, to them about buying one of their stores at Goodwill. And Goodwill is basically one of their lower price stores. Um, and they're looking for good, energetic franchisees who can build it up. I mean, I thought with my personality, I'd be great at that. Um, but in talking with one of them, they said that there would be a women in franchising contest at 7-Eleven. And they thought that I would be a shoe in to win. Um, and so I just applied just like, okay, whatever, like a na nationwide contest. Let me just see what happened. Um, and I won. And so I was actually received a brand new store on Matlock in 20. And that would be my first store. I like it. Because the reason why you found about found out about that opportunity is you just kind of pursued it. You just walked in there and you said, hey, I'm interested. And right. so they said, well, we have this available for you. Right. And people think that like I won a contest easily and I got it for free easily. That's not how that works. 
Um, they definitely did a bet, like they did the, they treated us as if we were normal people applying to be franchisees. Because although they're giving away the building to you, they don't want to give it away to somebody that they wouldn't franchise with to begin with. So I passed all the normal tests that every franchisee would have done as far as like background check, credit check, um, you know, like all the tests, the personality tests in which they had. Like I literally passed all of that. Um, and then also I still had to pay a lot of money. Like I still had to pay almost 30000 just to be um, after the contest. So it's not like I just got something for free and I walked in. No, they, they made me put some skin in the game. But I want to say that the fees that you were able to bypass was like $190,000. Yeah, yeah. I think mine was two something. I think mine was like two thirty or two forty. Wow. Yeah. So... For somebody who is starting from scratch and they want to look into franchising, how would they go about it? Uh, franchising is, is as simple as calling. Um, if you go on the website of a lot of places, they literally have the number for you to call for you to start the process. Wow. Um, a lot of places, especially like 7-Eleven, they literally are building 10,000 more stores over the next 10 years. So 7-Elevens wow. are on every, I mean, my stores sit on the same corner um, of that. Like they're literally right across, I walk back and forth. Um, and so they're building a lot of 7-Eleven. So they're wanting to find good franchise. Franchisees. So it's literally go on the website and you get the direct number of the franchising rep. Um, as far as like other franchises, they have, you know, toll free numbers and things like that, but all of them get you directly to the person you need to talk to. And are there like net worth requirements, income requirements? What does that look like? I will say there are um, net worth. It just depends on what you want. You know what I mean? Like if you were going into yeah. a, which, was, which is what I was thinking about going into, which was a Goodwill store, which starts off at 50,000. It's like you don't need as much. Um, but if you want a brand new store, you better come with some net worth. Um, but everybody's deal is different. Everybody brings something different to the table. It just depends on what 7-Eleven feels like they need from you. Yeah. For, for a Goodwill store, is that like somebody is, they're getting out of the business and they just want to let it go or? Yeah, it could be that, that or it could be a corporate owned store that they're thinking about. Like that's not, that's not producing well, but they may be wanting to mm-hmm. close. Um, but 7-Eleven doesn't want to close stores. They want to see if they can like find a way to build it. So if they can put a good franchise right. in it, then they're all for it. Um, so those are called Goodwill stores. Hey, Hey ladies, this is your co-host, Rashana Scott. And are you looking for a community of women real estate investors? If so, I want to take a quick second to share with you Infinity Membership. Sorry, fellas, but Infinity Membership is a women's only online community for newbie and experienced investors. Come let your hair down and join a non-judgment zone sisterhood where all of your questions about investing in real estate get answered. This is also an opportunity to learn from the best of the best. Other seasoned and successful women in the industry share their success tips often. Our live group sessions are twice a month and we support each other daily within our private Facebook group. Our sessions range from driving for dollars to working with contractors to out-of-state investing, raising private capital, marketing your deals, and so much more. Does this sound like something that you've been looking for? Well, we would love to have you. For more information, visit us at bit.ly forward slash infinity membership. Again, that's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash infinity membership. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop, presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. So your store isn't a Goodwill store. It's a, okay. <laughs> no, but I thought it was a brand new constructed store. <laughs> but I've seen that you've been able to like bring in different products and 
mm-hmm. um, kind of add value to the business there. Mm-hmm. So they give you the flexibility for that because we always think that a, a, a franchise is like ultra rigid. You can't do anything but what they set out. No, they do make a lot of rules that protect us. And I think that that's where people get it confused is they think there's a lot of rules that restrict us. Um, and I used to think that too, like I have a lot of restrictions, but the thing is, is they keep those rules. That's the best thing about owning a franchise that they've been here before. They know what's going on. There's other franchisees who've made these mistakes. And so there's rules to keep you from making more mistakes. Um, there are rules to bring in products. Um, and there's rules that I have to bring in products. Like I don't bring in food products from other vendors. Um, and I do like to stick to 7-Eleven's vendors um, because at the end of the day, if something goes wrong or somebody gets sick, it's the vendor's issue. Um, so I don't like to bring in other products because then it, that becomes a my issue. Um, so it just depends on certain products that I want to bring in. Um, but every franchisee is different. We have a certain amount of products we can bring in a, a year. I just tell people as long as it has a barcode and it's not food, we can talk about it. Yeah. Um, so you're running two stores. What does a day look like for you? <laughs> Everybody asks that. There's no day that looks the same. So like, and I and I can't even remind. I, I can't even remember two days that look the same. Um, my goal is to walk in at seven, be out by twelve, do paperwork, check over the store, make a list for the employees and go. Um, but today I walked in and my ice machine was running on its own and I had ice everywhere. So like I, that took two hours in itself. So it's like every single day is different. Um, yesterday I walked out of my building and there was a, a, a child sleep in front of my store. So like you can't, you can't really know like what each day is going to be like or what an employee is going to bring or what is a, a customer is going to bring. I think that that's the beauty of being a business owner is that like it's always exciting because nothing is bad. What um what you do to prepare for this? Because I mean that's a that's a heavy load. You're running a, a nationally recognized company. Yeah. Um, how did that look? <sighs> I will say that there's things that 7-Eleven can teach you and you go to training for about two months um, and there's things that 7-Eleven can teach you as far as like making sure that you don't have any out of stock, um, checking in vendors, doing your paperwork, um, what ha- but like, Honestly, there's nothing, they can't teach you 100% of what's going on. Like when all of your gas pumps break down at one time, like they can't teach that. You can't predict that. You literally have to have a mindset for business. Um, somebody comes in and they want to talk to you about selling you a product. They don't teach you that in corporate. You know what I mean? Like you literally had to say like, is this for my clientele? How can I market this? Is this going to be good for me type of thing? Um, so I will say that I did prepare and 7-Eleven did a wonderful job of giving us, a, it's called full training where they send you there for two months. Um, you pretty much just learn to manage a store. Um, but everything after that is on you. Like as far as like having a business mindset, as far as like, like looking at my paperwork, thank God I'm an accountant by trade. Like I can, I know exactly what's going on with my accounting work. Um, and so just a lot of it just has to kick in after that and that's something that's sometimes where people you know sink or swim because you know we can only teach they can only teach you so much one of the things that i've always kind of um wondered about is when you open up a new franchise the beginning phases of that business um how are you getting those new customers because i mean in business if you're just starting from scratch it's going to take you a while to get it up and running Right. With the franchise, do you kind of have like a jump start because it's already a recognized brand? Yeah. So that's why I always tell people like there's two types of businesses. You're starting from scratch. And to those people, I salute every single day. That is the hardest thing to do. You have to figure out where your vendors are coming from, where your materials are coming from, your bank accounts, your credit card machine. That is to me, that is the ultimate respect because I don't have the time or the energy. Um, but to buying into a franchise, it's like it's literally already set up for you. When you walk in, the ordering system's already there, the vendors are already there, the store is set up. You know what I mean? Um, so I will, I will say that that has been like the biggest blessing of it all is like having this already laid out for me. Mm-hmm. 
And so from day one, you have money coming in the door. Customers are showing yeah. up. Yeah. So like, because people already know the 7-Eleven name, it's already a thing, you know, like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't have to go out and like market my clientele or do anything. Yeah. Like it's a 7-Eleven. People need gas. It's on the busiest corner. It's on a freeway, huge parking lot. People are going to see the sign before they come up and they're going to come. You know what I mean? Um, but for me, it wasn't just about like, okay, the name sells itself. Because honestly, the name does sell itself. But during COVID, who cares what a 7-Eleven sign is when nobody's driving? Mm -hmm. Um, So to me, I had to figure out how else I was going to market myself. And in an age where George Floyd was just happening and everybody was trying to support Black-owned businesses, it was the perfect time for me to like put myself out there. Um, So yeah, I do say that I personally market myself so that that way I don't have the struggles that came with COVID. Um, But the a large part of buying into a franchise is having the name so that way you don't have to do all of so do they kind of extend themselves as like a, a resource center? So if you do run into any problems, you can always call them and they would yeah. be there to help so they you call, out. They don't call themselves corporate um, and they're very adamant about that. Like they're very adamant about not calling themselves corporate. Um, they are the support center. Um, so anything you need, like if, like today, like when my, when my ice machine was flooding, I called my field consultant and they come and get it. Um, so that's another good thing about franchising is that like they have all the resources already. They're, there's no need to reinvent the wheel. Um, you put in a work order and it gets handled as soon as possible. Um, we're just firing them off. <laughs> Question and answer is going quick. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> What what else are you looking to do in the future? Because, I mean, a lot of people, they would say, okay, you're pretty much set. No, that's not how it works in the franchising business. Like, you're not set with one of anything. I don't care if somebody says they own a McDonald's. I guarantee you they're not set. Um, the more you own, they always, I always say, and I've heard this from a lot of franchisees, one, you lose money, two, you break even, three, you start making money. So right now I'm on the break even stage. Um, and, uh, I still don't make as much as I was in corporate America. And so that's always like the thing is like all our money, all franchisees money is sitting in the store. Um, we can pull it out at any time, but we put all of our money into the store and that's it. Um, so I will say, what do you you mean by that? Um, so it costs so much money to buy a store. Um, and so I say all of my resources on all of my money have gone into that store. Um, all of my 401k, all of my, you know, like everything is sitting in that store and I could sell it and get my money back and be able Mm. to support myself and put my money back where it needs to go. But currently all of my money is in my store. Um, and so in order to really make a profit, you have to be on the three or four store tip. Um, I will say that right now I don't really have any goals. Uh, When I went into this, uh, and I don't like setting goals for myself because I think setting goals for myself is kind of um, either one, it limits me or two, it disappoints me. Um, and I don't want either one. So I just, I'm very good at capitalizing on ways. Of that has just always been my mindset. Um, I don't plan for anything, but when it comes, I'm going to ride that wave until it ends. Um, so I don't really have my next goal or my next step. I'm going to, when I got one store, I said, this is it. And then now I'm on two. So when I got two, I told them, I was like, this is it. But now I'm like, who knows, you know? Um, but I'm just going to run my two stores right now the best way I can possible. I'm going to stay within the community. Um, I'm going to help out the community. I'm going to do as much as I can from my little corner um, and just see where it takes me. Um- in regards to the location, how did you determine where you wanted to place those stores? Okay, so 7-Eleven, they have all of that set up. They have a real estate uh, department. Uh, you know, they have a whole... So you don't tell 7-Eleven where you're going, where you, they, where you think they should put a store. 7-Eleven is about to tell you where they're putting stores and then you can choose from that. Um, so when I was going around, they were showing me some in like North Dallas and that's not really my territory. That's not really my people. That's not really my flag. Like I was born and raised in Southern Dallas um, and I went to the Parks Mall in Arlington 
accent every weekend. So I was still familiar with that area. It's 10 minutes from my mom's house in DeSoto, 10 minutes from my house, from my dad's house in Duncanville. Um, so I, it's an area that I slightly knew. So that's why I picked that one and it was being rebuilt. Um, so I was like, okay, it's perfect. It's a brand new store. It's being rebuilt. Um, and then the second store was already there across the street. So they already had two stores sitting on the same corner. Um, and when I thought that I was ready, I just asked for the one across the street and it was a corporate store. And so they changed it to a franchise store and sold it to me. Hey everybody, it's your girl Erica Williams from the Classy Climb blog. I'm a six-figure YouTube earner and the author of the book, Smartphone Millionaire, how to lend to people, real estate, and businesses from the palm of your hand. And if you're interested in the three things that changed my life over the past four years to become a six-figure YouTube earner and investor in multiple properties in multiple states, I would love for you to join me over at the Classy Climb YouTube channel. This episode of the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast is sponsored by Hood Estates. Hood Estates is offering a Hood Estates Elite Real Estate Investing Program as well as a Hood Estates Trucking Program. All the details can be found in the show notes. You can also find them on Instagram at Hood Estates. Want more money to pay off debt and increase your income? I'm Terry Egioma from Invest with Terry, and I teach an online course on how to invest in the stock market for daily or weekly returns. My seven-step strategy saves you time and erases the guesswork from trading. With these seven steps, I've earned over $16,000 in a day without having a large account. Start big or small. These proven steps will increase your profits and decrease your losses. To learn more, visit itradeandtravel.com. Hi, how are you? I am Andre C. Hatchett, 15-year mobile notary pioneer and veteran. We have created the Notary Business School, which will show you how to start a successful, long-term, needed business as a mobile notary public. Well, with 15 years of experience and with different downturns in the economy, we have labeled this business as being recession-proof, meaning that you can run this business in any climate, any city, any state in America. On average, our students make between 60 and 200 $150 per appointment, which usually takes under an hour. I'll say that again. On average, our students usually make between $60 and $250 per appointment as a mobile notary public. If you would like to enroll and save a few dollars, go to the website, millinotarypromo.com. That is millinotarypromo.com. Look forward to seeing you in class. Have a great day. Bye-bye. So, so the first store you won a contest and they helped you get into it. Mm-hmm. The second store, you bought that one. Mm-hmm. What does financing a franchise look like? Ooh, I don't like to get into details because everybody's deal is different. Everybody mm-hmm. um, works out their own thing with 7-Eleven. Uh, but once you have one, it's easier to get two because you're already within the sure, system. You've sure. already proven yourself um, and going on. But they'll they'll work with you and finance with you and do all of that. Um, but you still have to have some money on you. <laughs> Right. A large. That's cool. So, man, I've run out of questions that quick. Oh, my goodness. That means I did well. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) Um, Do you do any investing outside of your business or is it just strictly your business? Uh, currently right now, most of it is within business. Um, but I'm deaf. My mother definitely raised no fool. Um, so I do dabble in, um, investing like stocks and, uh, other little small things. Um, but right now I try to funnel all of my money into my business. Um, cause at the end of the day, you lose money all the time. Um, and you don't want your money held within like 
a bunch of stocks or all this because eventually I sometimes I have to pay seven eleven back money. You know what I mean? Um, and I need to be able to give it to them fast. Um, but yes, I do dabble outside of that a little bit. How did your dad being a franchisee impact you in business? Oh man, uh, I get that question just randomly a lot. Um, I will say that like when my father franchised McDonald's, I was younger. I was about eight or nine um, when I can really remember him doing it. Um, and I will say that I really didn't care. It really didn't impact me. I didn't really notice it. Um, all I knew was that I would, he would pick me up from school and I would go get free cheeseburgers and fancy strawberry sodas. And that's really all I remember. Um, but I think now, and like whenever I used to tell people like, hey, yeah, my dad owns a McDonald's. They're like, that's so cool. I'm like, is it? Like, you know, is it? Um, <laughs> but now that I'm older, it like hits me. My dad, like, as a black man in the 70s with owning three McDonald's, that's a huge deal. Um, and so I kind of, yeah. And so I never thought that I wanted to do it and I never thought that I wanted to be like him. Um, but I always told him that I was coming for him every day. Like when I was younger, I was like, I'm coming for you. You know, I got, he has two college degrees. I got three. You know what I mean? Like he had three McDonald's. I was like, dad, I'm coming for you. So I always want to like, I, I find it funny now, um, that I can say that I'm competing with him, but it was never a first thought process. Um, he's very helpful though. Like sometimes he doesn't really give a lot of advice, but if you're in trouble, he may throw out some advice every so once in a while. That's really I think your dad's a legend. This is amazing. (laughs) I wasn't expecting you to say that. I knew I could, I knew you had a strong background just based off of like education and mm-hmm. uh, the Greek organizations that you're a part of. I knew there was some foundation there. Um, uh, a lot of people think that age might be a limiting factor when they're looking into getting into a franchise. Yeah. Do you think so? or I think that I am a very young franchisee and I do not think that there are a lot of franchisees my age. So my question is, if I've set this bar, then why can't there be? Um, and at this point, if I'm succeeding like I am and I'm having two stores, why not let somebody else do it? I don't, I think that what normally comes out of franchises and what people, the age group that normally looks into franchises is a certain, is a certain demographic certain race, certain gender. Um, and that's what is thrown at 7-Eleven. So that's what they take. Because 7-Eleven likes money. Everybody likes money. You know what I mean? So like if you're coming to us and you want a 7-Eleven, do you have the resources? Let's go. Um, but I think that it would take a lot more people my age to actually try. Um, at which point is what I did was actually try. Um, and that and that is really what and that is really the big determining factor is that like it's not like it's not that they're it's not like if you're young, they're gonna push you away. It's that not a lot of young people come their way to even give a chance. How do people react when they walk into the store and they realize that you're the owner? Uh, uh, it hits some people by surprise. It just depends on what the context of it. So like if it's people people who like really want to know and they find out and it's like black women or black men or like, you know, people like they're super excited. Like you're the owner. That's amazing. Um, But if it's a conflict that we're having and they ask to speak to the manager and then they realize it is me, um, then that's... That is kind of disappointing on their end, but it just depends on the context in which it is. Um, but for the most part, my customers love me. Um, I have a lot of valued customers of all races, all ages who sincerely love me and come by and see me every day, every week. Um, so I think for the most part, people are in love with the fact that I'm there. Um, every so once in a while, you do have people who are not too keen on the fact, but that's life. <laughs> How do you keep a store like that safe? Because I mean, people think, 
I mean, I'm from Los Angeles and mm-hmm. having a, a 7-Eleven in Los Angeles is kind of risky. Yeah. Um, everything is risky. I will say that everything is risky. I do understand that gas stations are a little bit different. Um, we do have petty petty theft. Um, we don't have big theft. Um, a lot of it is the community knows that I'm there. The community knows that I'm black owned. Um, but then every so once in a while, we do have the ignorance that comes through. I mean, I and at which point, like, I, but there's no like hardcore theft um, and there's no hardcore violence. Um, and I have some pretty strong-willed employees who aren't going for any drama. Um, so the safety thing in the area, and that's another reason why I chose the area in which I'm in, because I knew the area in which I was in. Um, I knew the traffic of police officers uh, because it's such a busy corner by the mall and the Highlands. It's steady being um, patrolled, um, but it's not really just a high-risk area. You know, it's a pretty safe area. Um, so in the last questions, we always ask everybody are as follows. Who is somebody that you look up to and why? Who is somebody that I look up to? I definitely look up to my parents. Um, one, because like I said, my father was a black man in the 70s who owned three McDonald's. That is an amazing job in it with itself. Um, I, but I also look up to my mother. You know what I mean? Like She, she, uh, she retired from the phone company, um, but she knew she couldn't get up because she had a child to support. And so she, she found a way to do it and now has been completely successful for it. Um, so I would say that I, I really do give credit and fully look up to my parents 100%. What is your favorite business or real estate book? Oh, my goodness. People over profit. <laughs> I, just happen to, I just happen to have it. Um, I am halfway through this book. and I try to read a chapter a night. Um, but it just really it puts things in perspective. And it's such an understanding way of like being things, you know, like it talks about like feelings of betrayal. Um, like whenever you're in the business, like how you could feel really betrayed. And I've been there before. You know what I mean? So it's like it's a it's a book that like really understands you and really gives you like a focus of not only like the business world, but also life. Um, I think one of my favorite parts in the entire book is the cycle of where you're stuck. Um, and like, like I wasn't, I was feeling in a cycle of like where I was stuck in corporate America and what I wanted to do from there. Um, and just this book just really helped. So I, I, one of my friends um, from the government, whenever I worked for the government, gave me this in Virginia. Um, and he texts me every night and says, read a chapter. So <laughs> I will say that's one of my people favorite. over profit. Mm-hmm. Um, what does success mean to you? Oh, man. I'm still in that greedy stage. So right now success means money and I'm not where I want to be anywhere. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Like success, people like success is happiness because I'm like, yeah, I'm 32 years old. There's no way anybody working at the age of 30. I mean, there's, it could happen, but like at 32, like we're still grinding. You know what I mean? Like there's no, like we may be happy at what we're doing, but like we're not successful um, in the ultimate way in which we can be. So I will say right now, my level of success is how much money that I'm earning. Um, Cause at, the, at this point I have two 7-Eleven. Um, so I'm already successful by other people's standards. Um, I have a clientele that loves me. I have a family that loves me. Um, I'm not overly stressed. I get into work at seven and on most days I'm gone by 12. Um, so really my level of success is me currently just making, finding more ways to make. Like I'm 32. We're not looking at, <laughs> we're not looking at, at a lot of things right now. What sets apart well, what's your best advice that you would give to somebody who's looking to get into franchising? Um, my best advice that I'm looking 
it's like, don't give up. Um, just because they turn you down one day doesn't mean that they're going to turn you down the next day. And this is a little secret that I want to tell people is that like the African-American community is a very different community. Don't mean that in a bad way, but say the Ethiopian community or the African community, they want to buy a franchise and they go in there and they ask how much they need. They say, you don't have enough money in your bank account. You know what they do that night? They go talk to their family. Everybody transfers all their money into one bank account. And the next day they come back to 7 with a whole new bank account. You know what I mean? So like at 7-Eleven, it's like, okay, well now you're ready. So it's not, <laughs> it's not that when they turn you down, don't just say, oh, woe is me. Like, let's figure it out. Figure if, if franchising what you really want to do, figure out a way to overcome the obstacles. Um, and because they, they want a lot of information. Um, and so like me trying to figure out all this information they wanted, I'm like, how much get all this information? It's a lot because it protects you and it protects them, but don't give up. Yeah, that was a great answer. What sets apart successful business people from those who give up, fail, or never get started? Well, I think the failure part is what, what it is. But what what sets the what sets me apart from people that have? Um, I will say that in the world of business, you make a lot of um, and I think that the way you overcome those mistakes is how successful you will be. Um, I know a lot of people who have made a mistake and they keep making that same mistake, same mistake, same mistake. And the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. In my opinion, if I try something and that doesn't work, well, damn it, let's try something else. Um, and that's just who I am and what I have always tried to figure out is like, what's another way? So if I bring in something and it doesn't make money one day, like I could either try it again another way or I could try a completely different product. Either one, I'm doing something different. So I think that what sets people apart is like their will to like want to do something different and their will to like have a business mindset to want to know to do something different. You always seem to have a message in your clothing. Nah. Like your clothing, it makes a statement. <laughs> every day. I do that every single day because you never know who's going to come into my store or um, what kid will be inspired or what adult will be inspired. But I also just believe in being comfortable and being myself. Um, and that just in itself inspires people. But you're right. I do try to always wear something that is going to inspire the people or inspire children, whether it be like um, Bishop Dunn, which is my high school. I wear their stuff all the time. Hampton, I wear their stuff. Um, Delta, I wear their stuff. Um, I have a friend who owns a shirt company, um, Dope Rebellion. So I wear a lot of his stuff. And it just depends. You know what I mean? Like I just, yeah. I'm right. I do always wear something that represents <laughs> So thank you for coming on. This was a quick episode, but definitely a, a very powerful episode. I am definitely looking into franchising. Um, so that's like my next step. I want to see what I can make happen. And so I was asking these questions for myself. <laughs> um, where can people find out more about you? Where can they follow you? Where can they can support? Where can they support what you have going on? This is my favorite part. You can follow me on Instagram at the number seven, spell out 11, underscore Ray, R-A-E, Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N. You can find me on Facebook at Ray Lawson, underscore the number seven, spell out 11. Or you can find me on Twitter at Ray Lawson, underscore the numbers, seven, 11. Nice. So you can come into my store or you can come into my store 100 East Interstate 20 and 700 West Interstate 20 in Arlington, Texas right there on the corner of Matlock and Dope. Thank you guys all for listening. Uh, You can find all the information in the show notes. Make sure you leave us a rating review, five-star review. We like those and they help us rise up in the ranks. My name is Charles Oglesby also known as Todd Millionaire signing off. What's going on, podcast listeners? This is your man, Donald The Voice, the official editor and podcast producer of The Oglesby and Scott Show. 
And listen, I just had to come in and tell you that we appreciate your listenership. And I want to give you a special offer for listening to this podcast. If you have voiceover, podcast, or video editing needs, let's talk. You can go over to DonaldTheVoice.com forward slash contact, and I'll be happy to talk with you about what you need and how I can serve you. You want to sound good and look good so that people can feel good and do good as a result of listening or watching your content. And I'm here to help you make that happen. So let's talk. Go over to DonaldTheVoice.com forward slash contact, and we'll talk. Have a good rest of the day. Day, evening, morning, whatever time it is, and I'll talk to you soon.